0: Hey, everybody, I'm Maggie. And I'm Amber. And this is Crime Country. Today we're in Alabama. This episode comes out on Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Alabama is the 30th largest state and the 24th most populous of the 50 states with about 4.9 million people. It is known as the Yellowhammer State, after the state bird, but is also sometimes called the heart of Dixie. Or the cotton state. Most of Alabama is a gentle plain that has a general descent towards the Mississippi River and the Gulf of Mexico, but the northern region of the state is mountainous with the Tennessee River cutting large valleys and creating creeks, streams, rivers, mountains, and lakes that looked really pretty from the pictures that I saw. Um, if you visit Alabama, you could visit Montgomery, which is full of history and was made famous by Rosa Parks refusing to give up her seat on a bus. You could also visit Mobile, Alabama, Alabama, where my husband's family is from, actually. Well, his dad. and Oh, uh,
1: really? Yeah. Spencer's dad's from Mobile, Alabama. That's fun. One of our, this is off topic, but <laughs> in Texas, one of the bartenders at this place right down the street from our house, AJ's, um, she was from Mobile,
0: Alabama. Apparently Mobile's kind of big, but there's a lot of like small sections of it. I've never been. Yes. But his aunt still lives there. And in Mobile, it's one of like the really old cities in the United States, and it's right on the coast. So it's a coastal town, so it has a lot of traffic for that reason. But it's also a cultural center with museums, art galleries, and a professional ballet, opera, and symphony. And Spencer's aunt actually works with the symphony orchestra there.
1: Oh, that's fun. I think we've driven through, I think we actually might have stayed the night in Mobile, Alabama, on our way to South Carolina one time.
0: I want to go. Spencer's been wanting to go, but we've never made it that way
1: in our 10 years together. But, I mean, we didn't see any of the cool stuff. We stayed at, like, this real ghetto motel.
0: (laughs) That's how road trips usually go, right? (laughs) Yeah, super sketch, but... (laughs) Alabama also has beautiful white sand gulf beaches, and they claim to have the world's greatest beach party during spring break on these Gulf of Mexico white sand beaches in Alabama. Oh, wow.
1: We should do spring break in Alabama. I think we're too old for spring break. Darn
0: it. (laughs) I think we would hate everyone there. But I just got this cool new wine coat. (laughs) See, we go to a nice white sandy beach when there's no teenagers around, and get drunk and enjoy the peace and quiet.
1: That's that's
0: where we're at in
1: life. I guess that sounds a little
0: more delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a little past our spring day. We had me at white white, sandy beach. (laughs) Yeah, it looked really pretty in the pictures that I saw. Um some weird laws in alabama include it's illegal to wrestle bears well
1: alrighty then you probably don't want to wrestle a bear so probably don't do that don't
0: even think about it um dominoes may not be played on sunday huh it's illegal to wear a fake mustache that causes laughter in church <laughs> okay that's very specific <laughs> It's illegal to be blindfolded while driving.
1: Um, I would hope so. That should be illegal everywhere. Yeah,
0: let's hope. Um, it's illegal to keep an ice cream cone in your back pocket. I don't think it would last very long. Silly, it's a law, though. Like, how yeah, do you, uh... if that's where you want your ice cream. <laughs> and lastly, it is a criminal offense to call a policeman shitface. Oh, well... <laughs> Probably shouldn't assault a police officer with your mouth. <laughs> but like, this, was somebody doing that so often they made it a law so they could just arrest him or ticket him? I used to like, so like to think it's one guy that like every time the police came by, he's like, hey, shitface, and they're like, <laughs> oh, we're passing a law, you can't call us that. You can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, and that is some details about Alabama. And we're going to tell you some of the less fun sides of Alabama.
1: All right. Um, My story this week, I'm actually really excited about it because I really like when I can like watch a documentary or something and I don't have to read through a million things to get all the details.
0: Yeah. That's a weird thing about what we're doing is just like wanting to know all the details and then trying to find them together or in order or like combining. Yeah. It's, it's work sometimes.
1: Yeah. It is daunting sometimes. So when I like did my first search this week, I was like, I don't even know what I put in, but this was like the top of my search. And I was like, all right. So then I watched this documentary and I'm like, this is fucking weird. So but
0: I don't know anything about yours. I saw your thing yeah. in our spreadsheet that we keep to make sure we're not doing the same story. And I didn't, I was like, okay, I won't look for anything with those words in it. <laughs> but it came up a bunch of times because I was searching for a while to find one I wanted to tell. And I was like, nope, not looking at that. Not looking at that. but yeah, there was a bunch of stuff about yours and I have no idea what it is. So I'm excited. It must be really interesting. Like
1: it is freaking weird, but it was, it was fun. So we'll see how it goes because this time I literally, I didn't look up any other articles. I didn't do anything. I just watched the documentary and I watched it like three times. So like once to just watch it, to see what I felt about it. And in the second time I was like, okay, we'll watch it again to get the details down more. And then I watched it the third time, and I like typed up my notes and like my speech. So yeah. Of. Um. But anyways, it was fun. The documentary that I pretty much am retelling you um, is called Alabama Snake, and it's on HBO right now. So if you have HBO, you can stream it there. It's an hour and a half, so it's not very long. Um.
0: It's freaking weird. It's like <laughs> so weird. You spent four and a half hours of your life watching that documentary.
1: Yeah, I watched it repeatedly and <laughs> I still like probably can't recall the whole thing. <laughs> so let's get let's get into it. So this Alabama snake. So the guy that kind of what's it called? What's Found it called it? when you talk the novel no narrate? Narrates. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well. Here we go. Um, the guy that basically like narrates most of it, um, his name is Dr. Thomas Burton and he's like his title that they put in the movie is called Folk Folklorist. Hmm. So that kind of threw me off a bit because it's like this story is like folklore and made up, but it's a real story. So
0: That happens occasionally, like um Slenderman. Yeah. Like that. Isn't real, but there is a real crime story related to it. Yeah, that's true.
1: I guess I didn't think about that. So anyways, he's like listed as folklorist, but he's a retired professor and he had interviews with Glenn Summerford. So Glenn Summerford is like a pastor, preacher, whatever you want to call him. And he is going to be the defendant in, in this crime. Okay. So he has interviews with him throughout this documentary. And they're not really super interviewee per se, because it's basically just Glenn talking a lot and telling his story. So anyways, this documentary, it starts out and it kind of just gives you like an overview of this Pentecostal church, because this Glenn Summerford is a pastor at a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look too much into like the religion or religious part because like I said I just watched this documentary. I didn't do a bunch of other digging.
0: Um Yeah, I was going to say I don't know much about the Pentecostal belief system. I, mean, I know it's like a offshoot of Christianity. I just don't know like what yeah. their thing is.
1: <laughs> so, I don't 100% know, but The basis of this is like going to church and worshiping and serpent handling. So Hmm. that's why it's called Alabama Snake. So it's freaking super weird and you would never catch me there
0: ever. (laughs) I feel like that's not all Pentecostals though.
1: Well, probably not this day and age, but I mean, this wasn't even that long ago. This was in the nineties, like, and like prior. So it wasn't that long ago, like the 70s, 80s, 90s. But that's my cliff notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the first, it starts out and you see this video and it's this folklorist, Dr. Thomas Burton. And he's like, so I went there and this is what I saw. And so you see this video of people and it's like just normal everyday people. They're not like dressed in their best like church, Sunday church clothes. They're just dressed in like, whatever they wore that day you know nothing nothing special um there's kids just all about like whatever and then like you see snakes all over like not normal snakes like rattlesnakes
0: oh
1: there's like a i don't know like in a Aquarium? not a pedestal but like a a table or something and there's just like, like a, a snake on top
0: of it and
1: they're is it like locked
0: up is it in a container no oh it's just God. out Like rattlesnakes? Yes. Oh my God, that's dangerous.
1: Uh, yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like I said, you would not catch me within a 10 mile radius of that building, of that church. Just
0: kidding. (laughs) I, I'm not like super freaked out by snakes. I don't love them, but I'll hold somebody's snake if they have a pet snake. Like it's kind of fun.
1: You don't keep rattlesnakes.
0: No. Nope. No, thanks.
1: (laughs) No. These people go to church, but while they're at church doing their business, worshiping God, there's just snakes loose, and people are handling them. They're chanting, they're praising God, they're doing their thing. Um, I don't know, I can't bring my, I can't bring my head around it.
0: Yeah, that's not normal, and it's not
1: safe. Like, there's kids in there. There's just and people poisonous everywhere. Poisonous
0: snakes, like that's scary.
1: Yeah. Also in this service that Dr. Burton was filming or that's shown like in the beginning of the documentary, um, there was actually a guy that was bitten by a snake and like they just continue their service. And they like basically like pray over this guy and they like rub him down. They like just pray on him. And this guy, I don't like they don't show his face. So you can't really see, but he's sitting and Like, he's just kind of limp, it looks like. And they're just, like, praying over him, rubbing him, like, thinking that this is going to heal him. Um, Does he die? so, (laughs) So, I don't know if he dies or not because, like, I see all this stuff. And then eventually they are walking the guy out. And, like, he's held up. Like, there's a guy on each side holding him up and they're walking him out. And then there's, like, tears and crying but like it it never said if he died or not.
0: That's weird. Ugh.
1: So, I don't know. It was freaking weird. So that's like the the preface of this. So that's what it, that's what you start out with in this documentary. And they're like, "All right. Like, here here we go." And so they have the documentary broken down into chapters. So, the first chapter is called Bite Night. So, we're going to get right into the the crime. So October fourth, nineteen ninety one, we're in Scottsboro, Alabama, and these two gentlemen. There's a paramedic, David Kenimer, and then his EMT or his driver of the ambulance, Bobby Carson. So they're doing their thing. It's pretty quiet for the most part. They are in the parking lot of a Piggly Wiggly. They're getting ready to have. I guess their dinner, their lunch, maybe depending on when their shift started. Have you
0: ever lived anywhere where there's a Piggly Wiggly?
1: I don't. I have heard of the Piggly Wiggly, but I don't know if I've ever. I think I've made a scene one in like smaller towns, I like up in Northern Southern. California, where Aaron like grew oh, up. Really? Hmm.
0: But. I don't recall. I've never seen a Piggly Wiggly, but it's a hilarious name. <laughs>
1: right? I'm like, Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> like, you would think that that's not a real thing. Like, people just say, I'm going to the Piggly Wiggly. But Piggly Wiggly is a real thing. <laughs> so, me. these guys are just about to enjoy their lunch, dinner, whatever, when they get this call. And the call, all they the only information they get is that they need to report to a, a snake bite. And they're like... All right. So they pack up their stuff and they they head out on their way. They hustle out there. So then they have lights and sirens blaring. But then when they get closer, they were advised to go in code one. And so what code one means is that you have to go in dark. So no lights, no sirens, um, kind of like you got to be pretty stealth. You got to get in there. But stealthy, like because EMTs? maybe they don't want
0: the perpetrator to know you're coming. Or sorry, were these police or EMTs? These were EMTs. I feel like that shouldn't be the EMT's job. Like if it's that severe of a situation, the police should go calm everything down and let the medical professionals come in after it's safe. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, like That's that scary. would make more sense, especially if they're like, "Hey, don't go in. Like lights blaring. Yeah, like, don't let
0: them know you're there." Like, uh, then I don't want to be there.
1: I'd be scared. I'd be like, uh, wait, what? Are you sending the cops in front of me? Like, uh,
0: all right. Okay, I'll turn the ambulance lights off, but I'm going to wait and make sure the situation's okay before I go inside the building. Right. Like, EMTs aren't armed.
1: No. That's crazy. So they have to go in code one. And so they, I don't know, I couldn't tell in the documentary if they had, like, the lights like, their headlights on or not, yeah. but they made it look really dark and scary and creepy. Like, it was, like, in the middle of nowhere, like, down a dirt road. They go in, and they just have dim lights, because there's obviously no street lights, like, nothing, so they can just see with whatever lights they've got on their person oh
0: my God, or that's scary. their
1: headlights. I'm sure they had to use their headlights, because that's crazy. Um, just no, like, Flashing lights.
0: And like, where's the snake?
1: So, right? <laughs> no, like There's a, no, they, they don't you know. They're, They're just
0: going in. You're responding to a house, right? Yeah. In the dark? Yeah. For a snake bite? Yeah. And you have to be like incognito? No, thank you.
1: <laughs> right. What the fuck? <laughs> so, and it, it gets creepier. Like, uh, this story is so freaking weird. That's creepy as hell. Yeah super freaking creepy and it gets even more creepy like you think that that's creepy just you wait so um they are going down they're getting closer and then all of a sudden again this documentary makes it look really creepy like a horror movie um and so they see like these bright lights in the back and then you just see like a silhouette of a woman like walking and so
0: the guy so gets out of
1: his ambulance, flashing his light, and he goes up. And he doesn't like really approach her. He kind of just lets her come down because he's like, "What the hell?" And then they shine the light, and you see like her arm, and there's just like a big chunk, and it's like black and gray and gross-looking, like like her skin. He Mr. said King. her skin was turning black. It was like di- it was beginning to die, like. When he saw it, he was like, oh, crap, she is in serious need of medical attention. Like, this is a real critical situation. Like, we got to get her medical attention
0: ASAP. Is this like a reenactment? Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Right. So. I wonder what you even do at that point. Like, do you tourniquet the arm or do you just (laughs) hit him with all the antibiotics you got and rush him to the hospital?
1: Like, so, I think that they did the latter, because I didn't see no tourniquet or anything, um, but I did see him, like, fumbling with, like, a bag full of liquids in the ambulance, but, I mean, I don't know exactly what they give her, because, like, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Um, and how often do you deal with that as an EMT? Like, what kind of right? snake was it? What kind of poison are we dealing with? What the fuck is happening?
1: yeah and like it's not a common thing they're like uh we don't get much snake bites like and this situation was extra weird then they rush her to the the closest hospital but it's a it's a smaller one so um they don't have the anti-venom or what they would need to properly treat like a, a snake bite
0: yeah super weird situation
1: super weird so they um They're a small hospital. They don't have what they would need to properly treat a snake bite. So they end up having to tell them, like, I think they do, like, minor stuff, whatever, um, to treat her. But they're like, we don't have what you need. So they end up putting her back in the ambulance. And he's like, you need to get me to Birmingham. And that was 90 miles away. And so she's like delirious probably the documentary made her look like really creepy like she was definitely like dying real creepy like just like a zombie and she had like a flesh eating disease it looked like
0: yeah Um, poison makes you i mean depending on the type of poison some of it just kills you right out but some of it makes you so it attacks like your nervous system your brain your stuff like it's scary that's scary fucking don't mess with poisonous snakes Summies?
1: Yeah, no, not um, I do not recommend it. Not how I want to spend my nights or weekends, <laughs> or whatever. Um, um, so then they rush off into the night in their ambulance and they go do their business. And so then the next guy in the documentary is Chief Ralph Daw. And he was just a patrolman when this case happened. So he didn't really like have anything to do with it, but he was just around. I think he was two years into his his job at the time of this case. So he was still pretty new to like police work and patrolling and all that stuff. And so he was just like, what the crap? <laughs> um, but he kind of shows up through the, the documentary and like just explains some things about how the locals felt about it. And there's a place called the mountain or in the mountain or something so maybe like not in scottsboro it was like off the beaten path yeah just so, outside some um, limits
0: and they called the area of the mountain or whatever yeah
1: but mountain. the church i guess was in scottsboro um where all this weirdo stuff was happening and he's like i don't I think the people of Scottsboro really knew what was going on here because I don't think that they would approve of having this in like the city limits, you know.
0: Huh. Well, um, like, what can they do about it, really?
1: Yeah, true. I mean,
0: they're not really breaking laws, so. But to be fair, I don't know what's going on at any of the churches near me, so.
1: Probably some
0: weirdo ocean
1: <laughs> Just kidding. That's rude. That's, that's very not nice. Um. Anyways, no. <laughs> so, um, then the next guy in this documentary is Clarence Bolt, and he was the lead investigator on the case, so he, once he got this case, he had to go on site, go to the house, kind of figure things out. So
0: the EMTs came to this call, they pick up this lady and they're trying to help. Did they then call the cops to be like, hey, you probably need to look into why there was a venomous snake in this house? So I don't know if
1: that was an immediate thing or if it was just an afterthought because they don't say that in the documentary. And because this um, lead investigator, he doesn't go to the house until a couple of days later. So I'm pretty sure that no one ended up calling the cops. It was just like, hey, we need to get this lady treated. And then after the fact, they were like, oh, uh, maybe we should look into this. It was a weird situation.
0: Yeah, that's super weird.
1: So, the night of the bite was October 4th okay. of 1991. And the lead investigator doesn't go to Glenn and Darlene. Darlene is the wife that's got bit. Okay. The lead investigator doesn't go to Darlene and Glenn's home until the 7th. So, 3 days later. Um, so they show up and I guess i don't know how the conversation went but with glenn's permission they search the property so they search outside and inside and upon arrival they figure out that this snake was the quote unquote murder weapon she died well she didn't die (laughs) but it gets to going that way okay so they arrive and this snake is the murder weapon so when they get there, they go outside and there's this big shed, like a pretty decent size one. And it's just full of boxes and cages of snakes and so many, so many of them. And See, I
0: wouldn't like that. Like I'm okay with somebody who has one pet snake that they love dearly. And I know they handle it often. So it's used to people. If it's just like a ton of crazy venomous Wild snakes? No, thank you. If it's a small like boa or something, then I'm like, yeah, I'll hold your snake for a minute.
1: Yeah, that's all right. But no, this was like lots of snakes, and so they're going through, and they're like, all right, well, we got a lot of snakes here, and so because the snake was considered the murder weapon, they had to confiscate all of these snakes for evidence because I guess some of them
0: were illegal too, because you can't have. Just, like, wild animals and poisonous snakes. Like, I think there's limits on what animals you can own.
1: Yeah, there was definitely probably, um,
0: because, like, 50 snakes. That's too many. There's got to be a limit on the number, at least.
1: Yeah, exactly. Breaking laws,
0: for sure.
1: Yeah. So they confiscate all of these because they could potentially be a murder weapon, whatever. And obviously they were like, all right, we got to take all these. So in the documentary, you see them and they have basically like, you know, those things that they like the dog catcher uses to like, put go around the dog's neck and reel them in. Like yeah, that's I've basically seen, what they used on these snakes. I've
0: seen people do that in like Facebook videos and stuff, catching snakes and moving them and stuff.
1: No, thanks. And they're just like, Flopping around and getting crazy
0: because snakes will just like, <sighs> yeah. This I don't know how to describe that. They'll just like slip right out. And well, they'll bite you. They'll just have their quick little like they'll jab at you and get you and get up like they're fast.
1: Yeah. So, but they didn't have any issues. They wrangled all these snakes. One almost escaped, but they shoved it back in. And they were just like like laughing about collecting all these snakes and. I don't know. So they collect all these snakes and then they're like, all right, let's go inside. So they go in the house and the house is just like a wreck. Like it's a mess. There's chairs overturned. There's stuff everywhere. So they're like, they can't really determine what happened here. Like if there was a fight or foul play because just
0: everything was just unkept. So it's like a hoarder house kind of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine was, if you they have were just like, huh.
0: fifty snakes in a shed, your house is probably pretty gross.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and this next part is real f- weird, but real funny at the same time. <laughs> um, so they get in the house, they're doing their rounds, they're not finding anything like worth noting, really, and then they see this purse hanging on this door, and it starts moving.
0: Oh,
1: and The lead investigator guy's like, oh shit, there's gonna be a snake in there. Yeah. So they even go grab it, like they grab it with their own hands. They don't even like use a like trash picker or something to like get it. (laughs) Yeah, or a stick. No, like it's moving, and you think there could be a snake in there and you're just gonna go grab it. (laughs) That doesn't seem smart. So, anyways, he grabs this purse and um there wasn't a snake in there but there was a fucking
0: raccoon (laughs) there's just a raccoon that pops out of this purse (laughs) did someone put it there or did it just find its way inside this purse because the house was so gross later
1: on in the documentary I guess we find out that they have like a pet (laughs) raccoon. so I guess this was their pet raccoon, but what
0: the hell? I would so rather see a raccoon than a snake. Yeah.
1: I also thought you
0: were going to say it was a vibrator.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nope, we didn't go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's this raccoon in there, and Um, it just jumps out and kind of scurries. I think he said like up a wall, but I don't know if they can go up walls or whatever. So I just put scurried away and they
0: went on about their business. I mean, maybe they had like a cat tree and then a hole in the ceiling that it would go hide in or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They climb trees. I
1: don't know. I mean, I guess if you have a pet raccoon, I mean, you probably accommodate it somehow, right? Yeah, I don't know. No idea. So the raccoon scurries away does its business wherever it goes and then the police continue their their search of the home. But again, they don't find anything like, etchy they're just like, all right, this place is a wreck. I don't really know what we're looking for. This snake was our quote unquote murder weapon like whatever.
0: Yeah, so, like just looking to see if there's more snakes maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, they got fifty plus snakes out of that shed, so hopefully they don't got no more because that's
0: a lot. I'm surprised there's not more in the house for the snake priest.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> Your snake
0: uh, preacher. Yeah. No
1: thanks. So after this, days later, Glenn ends up getting arrested and charged with attempted murder. Hmm. And so the whole thing about this is there wasn't much facts or evidence really in this case it's basically he said she said yeah so darlene's statement was right off that he forced her with a gun into the shed and made her put her hand in there or he was gonna kill her or he was gonna shove her face in there or whatever he was gonna do so that's her story and then his story is that she went out there to commit suicide. So he well, said, she weird. said, that's what we're starting with. So there was videos that they collected on their search of the home. And so the videos that they collected as evidence, they watched those, and there were some more like weirdo church videos that they recorded. And this was the weirdest, most like, I don't know, the weirdest church service I've ever, ever seen in my life. Because like I said, how it showed it in the beginning, there was just people everywhere. There were snakes loose. There was people with multiple snakes in their hands and like other snakes on these tables. Like, and there's just people all over and they're knelt down, face against the wall, like doing their praying. I don't know what they were doing, but... They're praising Lord, they're chanting, they're doing doing their business. While there's just snakes everywhere.
0: Freaking weird. Yeah, the snake thing's culty. Like, I don't think that's a normal... Do you say they're Protestant or... Uh, Pentecostal. Pentecostal. Yeah, not Protestant. <laughs> uh, that's not a normal Pentecostal thing. Pentecostal's a pretty, nor- like, common religion. Right, like, pretty normal. Yeah, like, I think it's near... Baptists. I think they're pretty yeah. comparable on the Christian spectrum. <clears throat> but um, the snake things, like what FLDS is to LDS, you know, like the fundamentalist Latter day Saints compared to um, the normal Latter day Saints, it's like an extremist group that has this false prophet that they're worshiping instead of what the actual teachings of their church are. Um, yeah. And that's like the snakes are against one of the commandments, like um, thou shalt not worship false idols. And I mm-hmm. think when you make the snake an idol that you're like worshiping, it. it's a bit sacrilege for most Christian beliefs.
1: Yeah. There was like some explanation of the serpent in this documentary, but I didn't really focus on like the church part, but Basically, it was like this serpent, this serpent was Satan and it was sent to tempt Eve to eat the apple or whatever. And so So by like
0: them overcoming the serpent, they're proving they're of God or something. But that's like trying to say you are a God. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Very not normal beliefs. It's a weird offshoot thing for sure. It was quite
1: interesting. Um, the lead investigator, he explains what her side, what Darlene's side of the story is, which was, she was bit on Friday and later on when we talk about, or like when we meet her kid and like get other sides of the story, this initial bite that she claims was that happened on Friday. Other people claim that it was a bite from the raccoon that they had, but it happened like two weeks later prior. Huh. I
0: feel like doctors would be able to testify one way or the other for that.
1: Yeah, and you know what? There wasn't really any like testimony from like an actual doctor or anything from an actual doctor included in this documentary. Now
0: That's... that you say that, there wasn't anything. Interesting, cuz I feel like you could either you could tell if it was like a festering wound that had been there for a while and it's just going like gangrene and bacterial or if it was like actually poison.
1: Yeah, and you could totally tell the difference
0: between a bite from a raccoon and a snake. Yeah, snakes have, like, things. I mean, raccoons have canine teeth or whatever, but yeah, their mouth shape yeah. and teeth yeah. are going to be way different.
1: Yeah, but her story is that she was bit on Friday by a snake, but when she was bit, Glenn wouldn't let her go seek medical care. They just were going to pray over it, and then that was... That she was going to be fine because he thought that he had these healing properties or whatever. Yeah. So then they went the next day and they go run errands. They had some videos to return because they were they rented movies. So they had these videos to return. So they go run these errands and they go get some whiskey for, for Glenn. Huh. Apparently... She's fine. But then she got bit again on Saturday night when they get home. And that's when she called the ambulance and she was taken away.
0: Does she say he made her do it again? Yeah.
1: So my notes are a little kind of off because I followed the documentary. So that was just like the sneak preview of her side of the story. But then I'll get more into her actual details a little bit later on so that's just like the sneak preview and then the ambulance was called and she was taken away then the next part of the documentary they go into the courthouse and the court documents and the court reporter and i was blown away by this court reporter stuff because i had never heard of steno notes and so that's the type of notes that these court reporters were taking It's super crazy because the machine is like a little teeny miniature like typewriter and the paper that comes out of it is basically like receipt paper. And yeah,
0: isn't that what the core sonographer uses?
1: Yes. dino notes? Yeah. So I guess I didn't really.
0: I've never seen one like close up or anything, but I've heard how like you learn to type with just like one hand and it's like basically like nine key with your numbers but with like the whole alphabet and you just shorthand everything that seems it's so crazy it's
1: nuts and she said that they type like 225 minutes or 225 words per minute yeah me too (laughs) but like it's nuts so I was so like I didn't understand because it was like this little machine with this receipt paper and then it's the shorthand and so she's like reading it and you see it on the screen and it's just like nonsense to yeah. me and to like most people it's just like capital n h and like just nonsense and she's reading like sentences and it's just like wait what huh. how how do you interpret that like
0: yeah. i i don't understand
1: I should but, go to school
0: for that. I should learn to do that and do it for a living. Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty interesting. I love typing. I like, I'm really good at 90 on the numbers. Yeah. And I you like are a very best typer. So I think I found my future career. Maybe you should look into it. Figured it out. There's probably like three years of school you have to do to figure out how to do that. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm sure. Because like I said, it was like nonsense. I was like, wait, what? That says that? Okay. Um, on my very, very
0: best typing test, I can type, like, 100 words per minute.
1: I, I haven't done one of those typing tests on the computer in a while. I'm a pretty fast typer, but I don't know exactly how many words per minute I could type.
0: I think I've gotten, like, 107 or 108. No big deal. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, so Just so everyone knows how geeky I am, I take typing tests for fun. Don't judge me.
1: I do. Fine. I don't care. Whatever.
0: Do and, like... At breaks on work. Yeah. Like, we're so
1: cool. That's what we did when we, we didn't leave our desk. We would just do typing
0: tests. Yeah, we'd sit like, and talk and type. Whatever. Don't judge us. We're cool. Um, yeah. I don't even care. It's fun. No, I like typing too.
1: <laughs> I'm right there with you. Okay. So these notes, I was just thinking, how the hell do you interpret that? But yeah. so the, the court reporter, she's reading it off. And it says he held her at gunpoint. She had her and he had her by her hair and threatened to shove her head in the cage if she didn't stick her hand in there. So she stuck her hand in there and got bit. And so and she also is like in interviews. I don't know if they were on television or what they were, but Darlene, the actual victim, she was in interviews and She's like, I know enough about snakes that if you get bit in the face, you're going to die. So, hmm. like, I would rather get bit in my hand, basically.
0: And risk and it? So That's interesting. She's
1: like, he had a gun, and I did what he said. So, overall, Glenn Summerford, he had a previous record, and we'll kind of get more details on it um, in the rest of my notes. Okay. Um, but, basically, because of his previous record and these assumptions um that had happened, it wasn't too difficult for them to to sentence him. So he ends up guilty of attempted murder and he gets sentenced to ninety nine years for attempting murder on his on his wife. Huh. Um, but that makes it sound like we're at the end of my story, but we're we're only on page two of five. so <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah. I am really curious as to like more of how the court and the trial
0: went. Yeah, like I, I wanna be on that jury where no one right. actually died, but like it's about a fucking crazy snake man. <laughs> There's
1: no like no real evidence. It's he said she said, she said stuff. Like there are things, but like I don't know if I don't know like that would be a hard jury to be on and to convict him of or uh, like being guilty of attempted murder but I don't
0: know yeah like I really wonder what else was brought up at trial and
1: um I'll tell you later on in my notes as well the trial wasn't even that long it only lasted like two and a half days Hmm. so it wasn't long at all yeah Glenn Summerford he interviewed with thomas barton the guy that i introduced in the beginning and so glenn maintains his innocence and basically explains that he was convicted um because of who he was when he was younger and not the man he was at that time that's what they all say yeah obviously so when he was young um then it goes into like this the part of the documentary where I said like Glenn just basically talks a lot. So it's not really like an interview. It's just like him telling telling his his side of the story. Yeah. This guy. So basically he says that when he was younger, he was quiet and stayed to himself. So he would get picked on a lot and he explains that he, he got beat up and all this stuff and he had a pretty rough childhood and all the kids would beat him up. And then He's like, I didn't know how to fight, so I got pretty worked over and this and that. And then, of course, his real dad, he didn't see, so his real dad's not in his life, but his mom remarried. And so he was still pretty young, and he ended up having a really good relationship with his stepdad. He says he wasn't only like my stepdad, he was my best friend. But I don't really know if that was a healthy relationship because. Like Glenn says that his dad taught him how to fight, so he didn't get beat up in school or at all. Mm. So I get that. Like you teach your kid to be tough, but like, I think he took it a little overboard because in the documentary, they show Glenn is a little kid, and then his stepdad. and basically, he's like, "I'm gonna teach you how to fight. You're gonna learn to stand up for yourself, blah, blah, blah. And so then you see him they go in these woods. And there's like a creek near their house and there's this big thick log. And it's like the movies where like you go on the log and you learn to fight on the log because you need to learn your balance. So you see them like sparring with each other and kind of Glenn's getting his butt whooped a little. He's like pushing him and he's not taking it easy on him. Yeah. So that he he can learn. And then finally you see him get tough and then he pushes his stepdad down. And then he was like, okay, well... I learned you how to fight. Like, you're good. Um, One thing that Glenn said in that documentary on this particular occasion when he was talking about his stepdad, he said Glenn said that his dad told him, you do what you got to do, but always remember you can't give life. If you take it, you can't give it back. So, Do what
0: you got to do, don't kill anybody?
1: Yeah, basically. (laughs) I don't know. In my notes, I said, not sure if this toughness really helped this guy Or really gave him a a violence inside of him.
0: Especially if he's, like, a wimpy kid. He's, like, ten. And you're trying to tell him, like, oh, if you're tough enough, you can beat up the bullies. And it's like, not necessarily. If they're bigger than you and stronger than you, they're going to beat you up either way. And then maybe this kid already has a weird sadistic streak to him. So instead of, like, fighting back in a conventional manner, he starts doing, like shady things to get back at people and then just feeds a monster.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it was very healthy. And um it turns out like his later years will kind of prove that.
0: Yeah. Seems like so, it. <laughs>
1: yeah. So then the next stop in this documentary is they go to his first wife. So Doris Summerford, and she's Glenn's first wife. They met in the first grade And then, basically, she was pretty funny when she was doing her interviews. And she's, like, this older lady. And I don't think she had any teeth left because she just, like, had a, like, I don't know. Grandma mouth. Yeah. And she's just kind of, like, you catch her singing. So she's just singing a lot. (laughs) And then she's, like, basically, I sing to myself. I really like singing, but... I can't remember the exact words she says, but she's like, my family said I couldn't sound good if you put me in a bucket or something. I don't know. Those are, that's not the exact words. I totally screwed that up, but something along those lines. Um, But anyway, she's just like, I sing for myself and the Lord, he don't complain. Um, That's sweet. Yeah. She seems like a sweet lady, but she's also interesting. So they met in first grade. They get married in September or on September 14th of 1963. So that, that's when they started their life together. And she explains that Glenn had a track record of fighting before they got together. And then he still liked to fight when they got married, obviously. So, like, nothing changed. And she made the comment that if you were at the bar and he was drinking, Like you basically, you didn't want to get in his face because if you got in his face when he was drinking and you rubbed him the wrong way, you'd be sitting on the floor because he would just knock your ass out. Mm -hmm. So she describes him as like a pretty violent guy. Then we go on to learn more about his kind of background. So he was convicted of two felonies and had a history of conflict with the law. So I'm assuming that this was when he was married to Doris. And I think she just like, stuck around through this it didn't like clarify but that's my assumption so he was in prison for assault and battery but when he got out he was just way like still violent very violent and he just wanted to fight and so that brought it out of him i guess huh. so then he had explained like there was these fights in up the mountain again they mentioned the mountain so and it was like basically these fights in a barn but apparently people go there and like put money on these fights Hmm. and like they get pretty intense and so he said he went to one of these fights and he really woke this guy he beat this man so bad that his eyes came out of his head jesus yeah and so after this he just like goes on about his business he goes back home he has his bottle of whiskey or whatever And he shows up and he's just drunk and bloody and beat to shit and when he gets home he describes how he has this little girl and she was just this daddy's girl and no matter what time of night when he got home she would just wake up and she would just hang out with him and just be so sweet and he just loved it so much but i don't know if that's really great that she's waking up (laughs) <laughs> and it's time of night hanging out with her daddy just because...
0: As a mom, uh, I want to say, fuck you, make her go back to bed. You're yeah. messing up her entire sleep schedule and it's not okay. You're ruining my life. Yeah. Basically. But that's just the mom and me. But Sleep so, schedules are life. Yeah. Hot definitely. tip for any parents of sleep schedules. <laughs> Oof. But,
1: um, so then after he ended up whooping that guy pretty good... He thought that these guys wanted to get revenge on him and he thinks that they did, but it's never been proven because his house ends up getting burned down like shortly after this fight happened Um, and they couldn't confirm if this fire was intentional or not. So I don't know, but this fire burns his entire house and so... He and his wife, Doris, they're sleeping and their son ends up waking him up and like saying, hey, the house is on fire. So then they start kind of trying to get him out. I don't remember or I don't know exactly how many kids he had, but he's like trying to get them out the window. He said he threw a TV out the window to break the window open. And then he starts like toting his kids out. And then he has a couple kids out the window. And then his wife is going to grab their daughter and she catches on fire. So Glenn grabs the wife, Doris, and like puts out the fire and then gets her out the window. But then Glenn has to go out the window because the house is like falling in on him and he's got to get out. And so he describes he's out there and he's counting his kids and he's missing one and he's missing his, his daughter, the youngest girl. He's missing her and so he tries to go back into the house but at that point the neighbors were there and they stopped him because there's no way he could have got back in that house. Oh my god. So, um, he ends up losing his youngest daughter in this fire because they
0: <sighs> couldn't get her out in time. That's literally my nightmare. Yeah. like so- Literally keeps me up at night sometimes. Like what would I do if there was a fire? Ugh. Yeah it's terrifying um i we have like a fire ladder that can hook onto a windowsill so you can climb down uh and then we have like a fire extinguisher in the laundry room that's like right outside of our bedroom across the hall from one of our kids bedrooms and then the other one's a little bit further down the hall but i literally am like what would i do what would the plan of attack be it's so scary especially because like my kids are so small one of them's in a crib she obviously couldn't right, it, they can't climb down the ladder, yeah. And so, I'd have to try and figure out how to carry them down the ladder, or but like one, they one of them could come running to me to try and get out on her own, the other one's trapped in a crib, yeah. <sighs> it's fucking terrifying uh, uh. to make a long podcast longer. I told you about how my sister's ex boyfriend's condo caught on fire, right? I think so, so uh. Him and his new girlfriend slash wife. I don't know if they were married yet at the time. But they were living on, like, the second floor. Oh, I do remember this story, yeah. Yeah, so they were living on the second floor of this condo. And they were in the process of buying a home and selling their condo or whatever. But the lady who lived below them had a gas leak or something. And she went out on her porch to smoke and lit a cigarette. And it just exploded And so they're sitting there. It's like a Sunday afternoon or something. And all of a sudden they're like, do you smell smoke? And they've been having issues with their water heater going out. And so he just thought like the water heater was being funky again. So he like went to the water heater and like checked it to see if it was smoking. And he's like, that's weird. No, nothing. So then he goes and he's like sniffing around at the place. And he goes to the front door and opens it. And it's just engulfed in flames. The stairwell out of their house is just completely engulfed in flames like they couldn't get out that way so he slams the door shut they go to their sliding glass door in their balcony it also is engulfed in flames because that's where she was standing when she lit her lighter or whatever so that's yeah. engulfed in flames and so then they go running to the bedroom to get the window he's like calling 911 on his cell phone while they're like running and trying to get out and they're bedroom window was over an underground parking garage entrance. So it's asphalt and it's a three-story drop instead of a two-story onto asphalt. But it's like their only way out of their place that's getting completely engulfed in flames. So he's on the phone with 911 like, hey, please come. I have to put down my phone. And so he just like throws his phone. He opens the window or he like tried to kick out the window and hurt his foot (laughs) and then he hangs his wife or girlfriend or whoever she was at the time out of the window and he's holding her hands. So he's trying to get her body as low as possible before letting go of her. So he's holding her as low as possible out the window and he lets go and he just watches her like hit the cement was like, butt, back head and oh. then just completely lose con and like arms too. And just completely lose consciousness. Like she's passed the fuck out and he still has to get out. Um, So he jumps out and he tries to like tuck and roll and breaks his arm. But she broke like vertebrae in her spine and she had to have a bunch of surgeries to recover for like months and months. Both their dogs died in the fire. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it was really bad. And they were under contract to sell. But it's horrifying. It's so scary. So get a ladder if you live in a second story condo
1: yeah now I have a second story we used to just have one level and now we have
0: a second story and I feel like it's really high like ours out our back is because we have a basement and then two stories yeah. but it's on a hill so our backyard is three stories it's so fucking high yeah
1: yours is pretty freaking high but
0: none of the windows are really on that side of the house so we only have a two story ladder <laughs> All right, well, hopefully our houses don't catch on fire. (sighs) Literally a nightmare. Anyway, sorry. So,
1: after that day, obviously, he he was never the same. Like, Doris was never the same. He had his other kids, but he lost his baby girl. And so, that was really, really hard for him. And then, Doris, the wife, claims that Glenn was abusive. And so, and she claims that he was abusive throughout the whole relationship. So, she... Really had to be careful what she said and what she did just so she didn't, like, raise any flags she, yeah. or, like, tip him off.
0: Walking um, on eggshells 24-7, never knowing what's going to be the trigger.
1: Yeah. No thanks. Like, that sounds awful. Yeah. So when they ask her, like, this is basically, like, the end of her little blurb. They ask her, so do you think Glenn's capable of murder? And she kind of just, like, looks around with, like, this smirk on her face. And then she just says, possibly. Huh. And I'm like, oh, well, alrighty then. Huh. Well, possibly. That's yeah. not very promising in, in his defense. <laughs> yeah, but I'm surprised it wasn't
0: like, yes. I mean, yeah. if your ex is super abusive. I don't know. He's the parent of your kids. Ah, such a weird thing. Yeah. So,
1: I don't know. Then, so after, like, the whole incident, uh, Glenn took up drinking and he just couldn't stop. I'm pretty sure he like became an alcoholic and was just like day after day he would drink. And that's how he got by.
0: Well, it sounds like he was borderline before that. Anyways, if he was getting in fights at bars drunk, like, so yeah, like, I, so him over the I don't
1: think it was just like a, I don't know. It wasn't just a switch. Like yeah. it was already there and it just got progressively worse. Um, So then at this point, like. Him and Doris, they have not been the same. Then Glenn decides that he's going to start getting around doing some stuff with other women, and he meets Darlene, his second wife, huh. and he actually married her before he even divorced Doris. Cool. Cool, cool. Um. And Doris said in her interview, she said, I don't know what year they got married. I think it was 74, but they got married on my birthday.
0: What a dick.
1: Yeah, he got married on his first wife's birthday.
0: Well, he she... was still married to her. Yeah. She goes, I
1: think he did that on purpose because he didn't want me to ever forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really, though. What oh. a dick. For Asshole. sure. Asshole. So when Darlene came around, she was only 19 when she met Glenn. And he had but... a bunch of kids and a wife. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And she said in the first, the first time you see her in this documentary, this is going to be really judgy and really probably not nice. But I'm pretty (laughs) sure that she has done a lot of drugs in her life and continues to do them because just how she presents herself and just like her mannerisms. um, I literally
0: was sitting here saying... I hope Amber describes what she looks like, looks like. <laughs> no. So <laughs> she also
1: I don't know how many teeth she has left. Um she she just doesn't look very great. She's kind of a thicker lady, but she's got like short like reddish brown hair. She had really like dark black eyeliner on. Like she was just a bit looking of a mess. Rough. Yeah. Um And just the way she carried herself and her mannerisms, like, that's just how I picture or how I imagine people that do a lot of drugs look. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I said, that's super judgmental, and maybe I'll get some flack for it, but that's my opinion.
0: Well, you can tell when some people are on drugs. You just can That's an unfortunate fact of things. Don't do drugs. It's bad for your physical well-being, and people can tell. Sorry. So um she's not looking too hot but right off the bat
1: she is just like oh yeah i married glenn but from the first day she got married to him she said she didn't want to be married no more Mm -hmm. she 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 was very adamant that marrying him was not her best decision but they had a son his name is marty and so she was happy about that but basically immediately she was like i married him I married him with a different name because he told me he wasn't married, but I knew he was married, but I married him anyways. Like it was a disaster.
0: Yeah. And And she married an abusive man. So yeah. You regret that pretty quickly. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. She's like, well, the, the day I married him was the day I didn't want to be married no more. Blah, blah, blah. Then we meet Marty. So we meet their son and he's pretty not i wouldn't say soft-spoken but like he he's a man of little words in this <laughs> documentary and he even makes a comment that he has to be careful what he says at some point and so that part makes me like yikes man i don't know
0: maybe for legal reasons is he on his dad's side
1: so i don't really i don't really know because he says that Basically after this incident he lost both of his parents. So he I don't think he's in contact with either or hmm. after this incident. So I don't like I don't think he thinks his mom tried to commit suicide, but I also don't know if he thinks his dad purposely and forcefully tried to kill his mom either. But I don't know. Interesting. I'm I'm really up in the air on How he feels about it and whose side he's
0: on, really. I feel like he's on his dad's side. Because if he says he lost both of his parents, he could still have his mom in his life. She's not in prison. He lost his dad because his dad went to prison. And he lost his mom because it's her fault and he hates her for it. So I feel like he might lean towards his dad's side. I I could see that. I don't know. So
1: he doesn't share much, but based off how he describes his childhood... I put, it's like history repeats itself because Marty says he also wasn't very popular. He got picked on a lot in school when he was younger. And I said, sounds familiar to Glenn's childhood. So then Glenn tells him, like, you don't ever start no fights, but you better finish them. Or when you, or or I will when you get home. So Thanks. he was a tough love kind of guy, I guess. That's- um
0: Sad. Yeah. Like, I want kids to stand up for themselves, but I don't want them to be afraid to come home if they don't finish a fight. Like, if your kid's being picked on and they don't want to fight back, you shouldn't be like, well, I'm going to beat you up more when you get home. Yeah, That's bad parenting.
1: Yeah, terrible parenting. That's
0: not healthy.
1: Yeah. So, and Marty says, like, when his dad was angry, he didn't have a conscience. Like, he
0: was yeah that's abusive people like that's they just lose sight of yeah everything and become shitty abusive people. And he's like he
1: didn't have a conscience before he started going to church. But he even says that he witnessed his dad beating a guy up real bad because he kept hitting on his mom and then he even mentioned the same thing like his eyes came out of his head. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how badly he would like wail on these people but She's Louise, I don't know. All right, so now we know about the bad history. We know he's a violent guy, but then we, praise the, the Lord, pity. he found you. Yeah, so this is where the redemption comes in. So, some guys show up at his house, and that's when God spoke to him and basically told Glenn that if he isolated himself from everyone and took the Bible with him, he'd that God would help him read it. He's so So Glenn isolated himself for 30 days and he was fasting and just isolated himself from everybody for these 30 days. And in the the documentary, they make it seem like he goes into like this cave, but I don't don't really know.
0: Socially isolating yourself from other people for 30 days is hard for anyone. But when you're mentally unstable and doing it and fasting, like... Mm, no, that's not good for anybody. You're going to try and kill people with snakes. (laughs) And he wasn't sleeping.
1: He was just reading the Bible. He read the Bible cover to cover, the New Testament, all of it. And like he wasn't a very smart dude. (laughs) So I think that's why part of it was like God said that he would help him read it. Because otherwise he wouldn't really know
0: how. Huh. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that I mean it's confusing
0: rubbish in the Bible. Um,
1: but so he stays in this isolation, he's fasting, he's just reading the Bible, doing his thing. Then he just claims he's just a new holy man when he comes out of this isolation. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So this documentary shows him in like a cave and there's water, um, like kind of like a I guess it would probably be stagnant water. I don't know. Um, And then like rocks around him. So that's where he was based on this documentary. Maybe. Um, So after Glenn's redemption, I guess Darlene decided that she was going to have a come to Jesus also. So she got baptized. Um, and then they started worshiping every day, every day after that. So they literally went to church every single night.
0: Okay, if you're married to an abusive partner who says they found Jesus and they're not going to beat you if you also convert, you convert. That's what I'm reading from that. I guess that makes pretty good sense. And going to church every day is better than getting beat up by this guy who likes to beat people's eyeballs out of their head. So
1: Yeah, pretty much. So they show her baptism in the lake and all this, and then they start this church. And so he's a pastor. Um, of their church. Supposedly he quit drinking, but I don't think that's a, a real thing because um, he still obviously had issues.
0: Yeah. And um, they probably went to get whiskey the day she got bit. So
1: Yeah. So then there's more like videos of their church ceremonies and they are just so bizarre because
0: he's a little
1: doing weirdo stuff. It's
0: a cult. It's not a church. He wants to be a cult leader.
1: Yeah, it is it is weird. And so they're chanting in different tongues and it just sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but apparently that's like a thing like yeah. you speak in different
0: tongues. No, I I, I went to a church growing up where people spoke in tongues.
1: I don't know. It weirded me out watching it just because he's like jumping around with a snake in his hand like saying weird stuff and I'm like what the fuck is going on yeah um
0: I don't so I'm sure anybody listening who's listened to several of our episodes can tell I'm not a religious person but I grew up going to a non-denominational Christian church and people would speak in tongues people would lay like in balls on the floor to pray people would close their eyes with their hands in the airs while they were speaking in tongues and so like when they around. Is tongues like an actual like No, it's just language? like, it's you. They, they say it's God speaking through you, and no man on earth can interpret the language that he's speaking through you, but you feel it in your soul, and that's God talking. And... It's a lot of like la 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 la, hum, ba, la 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 yeah, no, that's exactly what was in this video I think that sha la, la, la thing was definitely in this video and there done that um it's not for me, That's all I'm gonna say about it, I guess, yeah, so I
1: don't know,
0: I clearly am not in the loop. I don't know about
1: this stuff, like I've it's lived not it. my jam, it's not my so these videos are just downright freaking weird to me because there's just snakes. There's people chanting and jumping around. Like
0: my my church didn't have snakes. (laughs) We drew the line at
1: snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's, I put in my notes, I said in these videos, they are chanting in different languages, but they're not languages at all. They're just tongues. And, um, I said, it might just be a bunch of random
0: words. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's a weird thing. So there's super strict, like, Baptist religions where they're, like, not into that kind of thing at all. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, the loose, non-denominational Christian people who, like, speak in tongues and they have fun praise songs. So, like, Baptists read hymns. They don't clap. They don't. It's boring. Like, la, 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 la you know, hymn music. Yeah. But then like we went to church and there was like a band on stage and like an acoustic guitar and clapping and mar- not maracas, but the tambourine and singing. And it- that was my favorite part of church. Cause it was fun like fun, upbeat music where you can get a clap and sing along. And yeah. And then people pray in tongues and close their eyes and wave their hands and lay on the ground to pray and shit. That's so weird. Maybe that's why there was people all over, like, on the ground in this video,
1: too. Like, these yeah, videos. Because they were literally not sitting. They were just, like, face against the wall, like, laying on the ground, like, hunched over, like, doing weird stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a certain part of the service where you pray like that and some people go into tongues and other people just like lay on the ground and some people just stand quietly with their eyes closed. So anyways, speaking in tongues is weird. Yeah. All right. So, um, Marty claims that his dad
1: had God in him because he would quote unquote heal people. So there was like some testimonies in this documentary of Glenn's healing capabilities. And so,
0: it's not his healing capabilities, it's God well, working through him.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> God is exactly, you're correct. Um, so basically, he said that people who'd been in wheelchairs for their entire lives, after they came in contact with Glenn, they would all of a sudden be able to walk. And I'm rolling like, I never my eyes. saw anything like that, blah, blah, blah. Rolling and my eyes so hard. So there's another testimony on a recording. um, was of like a man that came in. I don't know if it was like an older guy or a young kid because he was there with his mom. And so on the recording, this guy comes in with a busted face and I guess his jaw was all messed up. But apparently after Glenn laid hands on him, his jaw shifted and then he was healed and whatever. And he was like, Mom, I'm all better. So I don't know. Um, Also, another one was one night Darlene Cutter – Cooking dinner, so cut her finger, and then Glenn laid his hand on top of hers, and then the finger was all of a sudden like put back on and good to go. Uh huh. Sure. So I don't know. There is all kinds of these like testimonies in this, and I'm just like, Man, I don't know if I buy it. But sweet <laughs> uh,
0: it's all hitting a little close to home here.
1: <laughs> so, um. Marty claims he also saw demons leave people in his dad's presence. So he said in the church one time, he saw this this black demon come out of this person and scurry across the floor. And he was trying to get into someone else, but it didn't. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So he saw those. Ugh. So Now that we hear about all these testimonies and Glenn and how people think of him, we're going to hear Glenn's story. So here we go. Can't wait. As if I hadn't drugged this on long enough.
0: It's a long episode and I haven't even gone yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm on page four or five, so I'm almost over. Okay. Um, so, Glenn's story in September or so, they had that raccoon that I told you about earlier. And so he claims that Darlene got bit by that raccoon. So, in the month before. And so marty he never confirmed if he knew that she got bit or not like he was like i don't know if she got bit i don't know like i've always questioned it but i don't really know and so he wasn't really backing him up but he wasn't really like saying no my mom didn't get bit like he was just neutral
0: like he wants so bad for his dad to be innocent i feel bad for him yeah
1: So Glenn and Darlene were growing apart or something he explains. um, That's what Glenn explains in his story. So supposedly Darlene felt like Glenn didn't love her no more. And then she ended up telling Glenn she'd been unfaithful. But prior to her confession to him, he said he was outside by the water praying. And he saw a man go into their house. And then Darlene and this man come out. But Darlene had changed clothes and an hour had gone by. So he knew what they were in there doing.
0: Yeah, because you're outside your house and your wife has her lover come over. That That's legit. She doesn't make sure you're gone. Yeah.
1: So <sighs> The bed was defiled, he said. Um, and so Glenn's whole thought process or his story is basically like, she did these things and she told him these things because she wanted to make him angry and she wanted him to beat her up. Um, but Glenn knew that it was a trap. He knew that it was the, it was Satan trapping him and this was this trap set up for him so he wasn't falling for it. And so
0: instead of beating her up like she wanted, he asks for a divorce. This abusive guy who has an alcohol problem super handled it super well, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And then, so another story from Glenn is that one day um, they were home and he was outside again doing one thing or another. And Marty comes running out to him and says, hey, mom just took a whole entire bottle of pills. Because apparently Glenn also said that Darlene had a, a drug problem previous, like prior to having kids and um prior to their life together she was doing drugs but then when they got to church and they started going to church she she quit doing drugs and she was whatever
0: which but, i don't doubt that she had drug no, problems at any point in time
1: i don't doubt that at all what if you see her in the documentary like I said it's super judgy of me to say this but i don't doubt it at all
0: but that doesn't mean she's suicidal. And does it mean she deserves to be with an abusive man who has documented abuse and anger issues?
1: Right. Not at all. So, um, but Marty comes running out and saying, hey, she took an entire bottle of pills. So then Glenn, with God inside of him, decides he's going to go inside and get a glass of water. And he's going to pray over this glass of water. And he's going to pray and pray and pray. And then he's going to make, he's going to force Starling to drink this water and she's going to fight him the whole way. But he eventually gets her to drink this water. And then she vomits. And she runs outside. And he says it was like she was vomiting blue paint. So yeah, that was him getting those demons and all of those pills just out of her. She was vomiting like blue paint. Um, so after that... I don't know if it was the same day or later or closer to the event. Apparently, Darlene tries to get Glenn to go out to their shed full of snakes with her because she wanted to just, like, prove to him that she was not this way or something or another. And she thought that the snakes were going to help her prove that or whatever. I don't know the thought process there.
0: but Well, and I bet he's making it up, so it doesn't even make sense. yeah. So
1: I don't know. But regardless, he wouldn't go with her. And then this must have been Friday night, actually, because he didn't go, but she got bit. So this is the first time she got bit. So then they just prayed, like we talked about earlier. They just prayed. She was fine. Um, Glenn didn't see any swelling or anything. She wasn't having any side effects. She was much better the next day. So that's Saturday, then they go return the videos. Um, And he sends Darlene in to return these videos while he pumps gas at the car. And apparently, the lady at the store testified that Darlene wasn't swollen up or anything. And, like, she seemed to be normal. So Glenn's like, well, if she had truly gotten bit by this snake, this rattlesnake, this venomous snake, she wouldn't have been going places on Saturday. She would have been in pain and she would have not been doing anything if she truly got bit by a snake.
0: Yeah, but if she had a rotting raccoon bite on her arm, she also probably wouldn't be going places. So neither of the stories make sense. Yeah. Or that's she's true. covering it up because she's a wife of an abuse abusive man who's used to covering up her bruises. Yeah, that's true. It's all
1: coming together. Yeah, because
0: either way she has an infested bite on her arm. Like
1: Right. So um Glenn says that night, so Friday night he confirmed with her that they were going to get a divorce on Monday and that they'd get her mentally evaluated oh, and yeah. get her some help if she needed. That's okay. what he says in his
0: his interview thing. Because when he's talking, he's just the hero of the story. Yeah. He did everything right. She was mentally unstable and he wanted the best for her. Yeah, he supported it. He was going to take her to the he therapist everything and everything. Right. Like a nice husband who never beat his wife or anything. Yeah.
1: So then, after this, they he claims that he fell asleep, and when he woke up, she was gone, and there was a sui- suicide note. Um, and the suicide note was basically written to her son. The note seemed to be written to the son directly, and it kept saying things like, "Daddy's asleep. He doesn't know nothing. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves me. Uh, he's trying to do." He's trying to help me and I wasn't I'm not listening like yeah. basically all things
0: because if you're committing um, suicide because you hate your husband, you just write a bunch of nice things about him in your suicide note.
1: Yeah, I w- it says daddy doesn't know nothing. Daddy's asleep. I went out and got snake bit. Daddy don't know he's asleep just like over and over. It just says the same thing. And it's like, you you and daddy do right, blah, 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 like this and that. So that's Glenn's story. And then Darlene's story, she claims that Glenn made her write the note. She said she prayed for him to die. So in her interview, the first thing, like immediately when she said, like, we got married and then I knew I didn't want to be married no more. She straight up says, she goes, I prayed for him to die But then I stopped because God told her not to do so because it wasn't it wasn't good. So she explains in this documentary how she just prayed for him to die. But then she's like, I knew he couldn't die and she couldn't kill him because there was a demon in him. And she says one night they're in bed and they're sleeping. And this demon came in the room like a dark black shadow. And she says, it was darker than black. (laughs) That's how she explains it. And she goes, she kept saying, I rebuke you. And then it finally, and then this, this demon, this black shadow goes out of the room. And immediately on the documentary, when you see this shadow, like go out the door, Glenn sits up in bed and like, looks at her, like, what are you doing? And then she tells him, I, I just rebuked this demon out of the room, and he said, "No, you didn't. Call it back in here." Apparently, so she's kind of like her story is weird, but so she's going on about this demon, and so then she calls the demon back in the room, and then that's when the demon entered entered Glenn, and that's when he started trying to kill her. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I don't even have words. Like I. <sighs>
1: Yeah, this story is so fucking weird. Uh, then the night, um, it's Friday night because this is when the first fight supposedly allegedly happened. So they get in a fight and Glenn got her with a shotgun. So in the documentary, it shows him like whopping her over the head with the shotgun. And then she goes when she explained is explaining it just going back to again like i'm pretty sure like she was on drugs and she still is just how she explains the story and yeah she she says he popped me with a shotgun and then i got real upset and i kicked him in the balls and he it didn't even phase him and like she's talking so fast and explaining it so fast and she's like i, I kicked him in the balls it didn't even phase him and so then after she kicks him in the balls She she goes outside and she's running outside and to to get away from him. But then she has to stop running because he has his shotgun and she knows that he's going to shoot her if she keeps running. So she stops. And that's the story of the first night that, that she got bit because he this happens and then he takes her out and she puts her hand in the snake thing and gets bit but then they like do their thing they pray over it she's fine and then glenn says to darlene all right if you um go to the store with me tomorrow and get me some more whiskey i'll take you to the hospital to get treatment for your bite and so she says okay i'll do that so she suffers through the night and then the next day she has this bandage on her hand And they go do their errands, return the videos, blah, blah, blah. Um, But Darlene says that her her hand was swollen at this point. And um, she was just scared because Glenn had a gun this entire time. So while they're running errands, he had a gun. And so he was telling her, he was calling the shots, telling her what to
0: do. God, both these stories are hard to believe.
1: Yeah. This story is just
0: weird. And I don't know. I don't know which side of the story to believe. Honestly, I don't believe either of them. Yeah,
1: I I don't I don't know either. Like cuz these are both like totally like
0: off the wall. Yeah, exactly. Neither of them are stable witnesses. <laughs> I bet he was abusive and I bet he did have a hand in telling her what to do, but I don't believe it happened the way she says it did. Yeah.
1: I I don't I don't think I'm convinced either. So Darlene has this interview and basically, so this is like closer to when the the bite happened. She had this interview and it shows like clips of it in the documentary. And basically, um, there's someone on the document, the interview with her. And I don't know if it's like someone she knows or a family member or just like someone on this show Because basically, the girl on the show is calling her out and is like, so if you were, if you went to the store, and you like this had happened, why wouldn't you tell the lady in the store? Or why wouldn't you tell the video lady that she needs to call 911 for help or something? Like, why wouldn't you reach out? If he allowed you to go into the store by yourself? Why wouldn't you say something? If the previous night, he made you get bit by a snake? And so she, her excuse was like, well, she'd been married to a man for 16 years. So maybe if you're in my situation and you're in my shoes, you'll do exactly what I
0: did. And you just do what you're told. Yeah. I mean, abuse victims don't tell people what's happening to them all the time. Um, That's, it's a protective mechanism. And you're beaten down to the point where you believe that you're worthless and that no one's yeah. going to believe you and everybody hates you and he's the only one that loves you and you just have to put up with his abuse because he's the only person that thinks you're worth anything and you know you're being so low you don't believe anyone else will want to help you yeah, or that you deserve their help so like that's not a nor- like I believe she was in an abusive relationship I believe he may have made her get bitten by a poisonous snake I just don't believe the other bits so much about the yeah. like demon and it living inside of him and her casting it out and him telling her to call it back. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a bunch of, that's a little far fetched for me. But then in the interviews, Glenn claimed that he didn't drink, but he was definitely drinking. So like the interviews that he had with this doctor, Um what was his name? Thornton or something. The guy in the first I've been talking so much Burton, Thomas Burton, so Dr. Thomas Burton, so in the interviews that he had with him, he claimed that he didn't drink, um, but he was clearly like drinking throughout this um, and never quit. Then when Darlene and Glenn get back to the house, this is still Darlene's story. Um she said he told her at seven o'clock you're gonna get bit again, and you're gonna die this time. Then, she said he made her write the note so the suicide note and i put repetition of he's asleep daddy doesn't know about this daddy loves us you and daddy live right the note innocence gives glenn an alibi and then in her little interview she calls him a seek a psycho preacher she was like he's some psycho preacher i was married to a psycho preacher I agree with
0: her
1: (laughs) you're not wrong
0: (laughs) and I could see him making her write the note too because it's a weird note to write
1: yeah given the situation like it's a super weird note like no that's not a typical suicide note
0: especially if you're committing suicide because you hate your husband
1: yeah and you're trying to get out of that like you're not gonna just say all like you said the nice things daddy loves us he's doing right Yeah, don't He's Daddy fine. I'm know. doing the wrong like, thing. No. So, um, And so the night on Saturday night before he makes her go back out I guess she was sleeping on the couch or something and so she says, she claims that Glenn peed on her head to wake her up and then grabbed her by the hair and basically drug her out to the shed and made her take the lid off the box of the, where the snakes were and grabbed her by the hair, and then he was pushing her face towards the box, but she just put her hand in the box because, like she said, I know enough about snakes. If you get bit in the face, you're gonna die. Um, so then she goes out there, she gets bit by the snake again, um, forcefully, and then they go back inside, and she's just doing her thing, just hanging out with her snake bite, and apparently, I guess she gives him a bunch of vodka which made him pass out cuz he normally drank whiskey but she felt real proud of herself because she gave him vodka and that made him pass out and so then she sees the phone and she she's able to to call 911 and so that's when the whole call happens and she calls 911 and then she makes her way outside And she just can barely walk. So she's just crawling. And she's like crawling down the driveway. I don't know how far she makes it. But pretty far. Because those guys were driving up the road. And she was like already like near the road. When they get there. So apparently the documentary shows her like laying down. And just like in the yard or whatever. And then once she hears dogs barking. And like commotion. She gets up and looks up and she sees the guys and then she's like, oh, okay. So she gets up, starts walking to the ambulance and that's when they pick her up. Hmm. That's her story. Um, So now we're finishing up. The trial lasted two and a half days. Um, Glenn was found guilty of attempted murder, Um, but his church followers, many of them remain convinced that he's not guilty. And that he couldn't do such a thing. But, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people that think he did it. Obviously, he got convicted. So, a jury believed that he did it. But I don't really know how much evidence they had in this.
0: Yeah. I want to be on that jury. I don't know where I fall on this. Like, I believe that he's unstable. I believe that he's abusive. I believe that he is basically trying to lead a cult. Yeah and using religious beliefs to get people behind him or whatever but her story is really weird and doesn't make any sense so i i don't know yeah i I wish somebody else super weird yeah i wish we had a third party who was like sober watching the situation who could tell us what happened that night but i don't think anyone will ever know because i bet both of them believe their version of events
1: oh yeah i'm sure and then There was no witnesses except for maybe Marty, but like he, there was nothing. He didn't
0: provide anything in the, in the documentary. Yeah. He was a kid. He probably was scared of his dad, just kind of minded his own business. So, and his mom was um, unstable. So, right. So the church didn't believe um,
1: Darlene's story. So like they, her and Glenn had this church together. So when she went back to the church, they didn't believe her so then they all started trying to cast the devil out of her because she was a liar according to them so like it just continued and so then like i said before marty lost both of his parents after that um but he's well he's got a family of his own he's good i mean relatively actually, <laughs> yeah i'm sure i mean he has battles of of his own but he's probably
0: still part uh, of the church <laughs>
1: Well, no, I don't think he was ever really religious. I don't think he ever, like, he went because he was a kid. But I don't know if he continues to, to go. But I don't know. He could. He was a very, he was, like, a very man of little words in this documentary. But I don't, like, he just didn't want to say more than he needed to. Yeah. So I think he does know more. And maybe he has more insight on it. But I just think he's not interested
0: in. Yeah, and he probably reluctantly agreed to be on it, but I don't think either of his parents' stories are true, and he probably realizes that too. Like, both of these stories are nonsense.
1: They are both nonsense. And then, so Glenn was in jail. He escaped in February of 2003. Wow. But he was captured 45 minutes later. (laughs) Um, And he remains in prison. But, like, the end of the documentary is, like, his escape, and... Basically, it's like he came to Jesus again, like Jesus lifted him up, and like there's like a a torch, like a fire torch, and then it's above him, and he's just being lifted out of the water, so again, it's like his religious beliefs are getting the best of him, and he was captured, and he remains in prison. Good. I think the world's better off
0: without him, but I also don't believe we're getting the full story from either of those people.
1: Yeah, that story blew my mind because I'm like, what? The actual yeah,
0: what actually happened? I because it wasn't either of those things. Like he he was probably on, she was probably on drugs, and he probably did force her to stick her hand in the snake pit because he was an abusive asshole. And I bet it just came down to that, like him being a dick, screaming, her screaming back incoherently, and him like dragging her outside and trying to stick her in the snake pit, but. Fuck, that's a frustrating case.
1: Yeah, it was freaking weird. So if you want to know uh, all the the details I didn't cover or you want to see these people in real life, Alabama Snake on HBO.
0: See what they look like.
1: That's where it all came from.
0: Okay, you want to hear my story?
1: Yeah, I'm so ready to be done talking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have to talk a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Monica Glennon. Monica Glennon woke up one morning in September of 2015 to a phone call. It was only 6 a.m., and it was one of her coworkers calling her. Monica was a real estate agent for Remax, and her coworker was calling her to tell her that someone had posted something terrible about her on the Remax Facebook page. Oh, uh, and Monica, of course, assumed that it was just a bad review and somebody um, called her out by name specifically on their Facebook page, and so she was like, "Okay, yeah, that happens occasionally, whatever." But she soon found out that was not the case at all. She went to the Remax Facebook page and she saw a link posted to shesahomerecker.com dot com. Oh, and the picture with the link. Was Monica's professional headshot. So, she's a homewrecker.com is a place where anyone can go and they can post a picture of any woman that they want with a story about why that woman is a homewrecker and warning other people to be wary of her and where she's located and her name and why she's a homewrecker. So, these posts on this website are completely anonymous and they can be posted by literally anyone with absolutely no proof of what they're saying in the post. The, web ta- the website's terms of service state that the stories submitted must be factually true, but they don't have any way of proving that they are, in fact, true. And if they're not true, the website is protected by the Communications Decency Act, that basically says a website cannot be sued for things that its users say. So, like Facebook can't be sued because someone posted something uh, libel. Uh, uh, so Monica wakes up super early. She gets told by her coworker, "Hey, somebody posted something terrible, terrible about you on our work Facebook page," and she sees this. So uh, she clicks on the link on the Remax Facebook page to see what is being said about her. And along with her picture is this blurb about how this woman and her husband used Monica as their realtor and everything was going great until that woman went to look at one of the houses they were viewing and she walked in on Monica sleeping with her husband on the floor of that house. Oh, And the post went into, like, graphic detail about the sexual acts that they were committing. And the woman said that she even took a picture of what was going on. And she used that picture in her divorce to get everything in her divorce against her husband. And the post obviously continued, like, hey, she's a homewrecker. She ruined my marriage. I'm now divorced. But don't use her as your realtor because she'll sleep with your husband. Wow. No kidding. So Monica was shocked. None of this was true. Monica was happily married with two adult children. She'd been living in Huntsville, Alabama for 12 How years. How do they have the photo then? It's her professional headshot. Oh, okay. So it was on the Remax Facebook page. Got it. Um, so they literally were using her professional headshot on this like shitty little site, she's record.com.
1: People on this site don't use professional headshots. Come
0: on. Well, and it's just literally like random people posting about other people they don't like so you could literally just like get in a trashy fight with someone and then they steal your picture and post about you and write anything they want on this website
1: that's nasty people are Ruthless. Yeah, it's fucking terrible.
0: So, Monica has been happily married for many years. She has two adult children. She'd been living in Huntsville, Alabama for 12 years at this point. Her husband was a veteran Marine and she sells houses. Um, She's also from Poland originally and speaks with a heavy Polish accent, but she's been living in America for quite a while and is like a pretty older blonde lady. So... The post had been posted on Remax's Facebook page by someone named Ryan Baxter. Ryan Baxter had also gone through Monica's Facebook friends list and sent the link to a bunch of her family, friends, coworkers, including her husband. So in the message to her husband, they sent the link and they wrote, sorry dude. Sorry to be the one to let you in on this, with a link to how she's a homewrecker and the very specific details about how she slept with one of her clients. And his wife caught them. Um, So, Monica posted in the comments on the website, she's a homewrecker.com, and was like, hey, this is me. This isn't true. Please take it down. Like, this didn't happen. It's not true. You're slandering me. But other people were commenting back and being like, um, why would someone make up such extravagant stories about you if it wasn't true? Sometimes they're bored and they don't have a life. Yeah, but these other people commenting are also trolls. Like, who's just scrolling she's a com and That's like true. commenting back to people? <laughs> like, no one wants to believe you that it didn't happen. They want the drama. They want to think you're homewrecking hoe. They want to argue with you online to feed their little sixth sense of drama in their head. Yeah, exactly. It's just gross. So she tried like commenting on it, and other people were like, uh huh, sure, whatever. Um, and then the post started getting shared to other websites that were similarly meant to shame people. Um, so it got, one of the sites it got shared to was badbizreports.com or badbizreport.if or something, but whatever, it's a shitty site. Don't go there. Um, badbizreport. And they specifically were linking it to Remax Real Estate because she's a realtor. Um, and so, they bad biz report had this, shared this post with the exact same information as she's a And it's showing her picture. It's talking about why you shouldn't do business with her. It's just shitty. And it's going kind of viral. It wasn't a huge thing, but like if you Googled Monica's name, the first thing that came up was this slanderous piece of trash about her. Um, So obviously her business suffered after this most people google their realtor to see who they're getting into business with and no one's gonna pick the one that's gonna sleep with their husband or just has these horrible like trashy things about them online because you don't want to drama realtor and invite that drama into your life so you're gonna skip that one over the next few months the rest of the year Her business definitely took a hit. She was getting like half as many listings as she was before. She probably lost out on like $200,000 in commissions on home sales and stuff. Uh, And she still had no idea who would have posted this about her. Like, why would someone want to do this to her? Thankfully, her husband like believed her when she told him it wasn't true and didn't divorce her or anything crazy like that. But it still was ruining her career. It was ruining her good name. A wife, basically. Yeah, they got sent directly to all of her family and friends. Yeah. That's embarrassing and awful. She literally was rethinking her relationships with every single person in her life. Like other realtors, maybe some of them were mad at her for some reason. Or Or like, who's doing this? Yeah, or just some minor acquaintance that she might have pissed off in some way or another. But she literally couldn't think of anyone that she would piss off bad enough to do this to her. And she wrote repeatedly, multiple times, to all of the websites that were sharing this information, being like, hey, this is false, please remove it, none of it's true, you're slandering my name, libel, all this stuff, but none of them would actually remove it. They all just ignored her completely. So finally, the only way she could do anything about this was to take them to court. So she sued multiple websites in 2016 for libel and copyright infringement. Because the picture they were using was her professional headshot, and she owned that picture. so them using it was copyright infringement just to try and get any grounds to have it removed from their website. Um, and through this lawsuit, she was able to subpoena she's a homewrecker.com, com and Facebook for the IP addresses of uh, who was who was posting these things.
1: Oh wow.
0: yeah. She's spending a shit ton of money in legal fees. Yeah. She gets the subpoena and she finds out that the original post on she's a homewrecker.com was from Molly Rosenblum. Monica was super surprised to hear that it was Molly Rosenblum because she had no idea who the fuck Molly Rosenblum was. (laughs) Didn't know this person at all. Complete stranger to her. So... Turns out Monica had pissed off Molly on the Facebook comments of a news article. Oh, my God. In July of 2014. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So in July of 2014, 14 months before the snap was posted to She's a Uh, A local news station had posted an article about a 14 year old girl who had visited Auschwitz and taking this like smiling selfie. So it's her standing in the middle of like the death camp of the Holocaust. And it's just like this cheesy, like I'm 14 year old and I think I'm cute. Taking a selfie at Auschwitz. Not It means poor taste. Yeah. So the local newspaper in Alabama posted this article, shared it to Facebook, and were like, What do you think? Was this in bad taste? And a lot of people were like, Yeah, that's super disrespectful. Auschwitz shouldn't be a place for selfies. Like, that's terrible. This girl's dumb, blah, 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 blah. But Monica disagreed. She was like, You know what? Kids make mistakes. At least the girl is visiting the site and, like, appreciating history and realizing, like, that sort of thing from history. And the internet shouldn't form a mob against this poor 14-year-old girl because she did something stupid. But then Molly Rosenblum disagreed with her. She commented back to Monica that Auschwitz was a somber place for reflection and not an appropriate place to take selfies. She said she was of Jewish descent and suggested that others didn't have a full grasp of the Holocaust because they weren't Jewish. Monica responded that Auschwitz, Auschwitz isn't just for isn't just her place, it belongs to all and was a former killing zone of all, including Polish people, which Monica was born in Poland and had a very strong Poland, Polish accent. She understood that part of the Holocaust. So basically, Monica's like, this girl's 14, she fucked up, let's not try and ruin her life because of it. And Molly Rosenblum was like, no, she shouldn't have done it, period, fuck you. And Monica was like, "Mm, okay, well, like, Auschwitz isn't just for the Jewish people, all of us can learn from it. And Molly did not like that. So they get in this stupid little newspaper article, Facebook fight, like you do occasionally. And no one's mind was changed. They all left the situation believing what they believed when they came into it, like you do. And Mm -hmm. Monica went on about her day. That was the end of it to her. She knew she was right in her mind about the situation. She wasn't thinking anything else about it. But Molly was pissed. Molly Rosenblum just stewed on Monica's response to her. And she just thought Monica was this rich blonde bitch who was undermining what happened to Jewish people in the Holocaust and she deserved to have something bad happen to her. Right. So Molly, who later admitted that during this time she was at a low point in her life and was in the throes of a full-blown methamphetamine addiction, um, got online She was thinking about this for a week. So she's on meth. She's stewing on this tiny little Facebook argument and just, like, remembering the lady Monica. Like, she's like, Monica's the devil. So she goes online. She finds out everything she can about Monica through Monica's Facebook page. She sees Monica works at Remax. She goes to Remax's Facebook page. She sees Monica's picture. She sees, like, the basicest of information. She sees, you know, she's a realtor. She sees where she works. Um, she gets her picture and then she goes to, she's a com. She makes up this post with Molly's or er, Monica's picture attached about how she walked in on Monica sleeping with her husband, ruined her marriage, etc. She posts that to she, she's a com And then she just moves on with her life. Molly's over it now. She oh took action. Gosh. Now she's over it. She, forgets. she got it out of her system. Yeah, she got it out of her system. Then she forgets about Monica. <laughs> So, that all happened in July of 2014, but for some reason, the post at She's a wasn't made public until September of 2015, 14 months later, which is super weird. Wow. But apparently, they have, like, a review process to, like, verify. long-ass review process. Yeah, and I think hers just kind of got stuck in the process, or, like, they were like, mm, this seems not real, and so they were... They didn't deny it, but they just left it in review status. But then She's a Homewrecker.com was sold to a different company and they published it. Right. Yeah. So it's 14 months later and all of a sudden there's just this random thing published about her. And then after it was published, this person going by Ryan Baxter on Facebook saw it and they decided they really needed to share it everywhere so that everyone that knew Monica personally knew what a terrible person she was yeah so Ryan Baxter really enjoyed doing this Um, Ryan Baxter would go to she's a homewrecker.com read these stories and see if she could find these homewreckers in real life and then go to their Facebook friends list and send the information to anyone they could find they just thought it was funny or something so that's how they spent their time Gosh, some people need to get a life. Yeah. So this all comes to light in like September of 2015. And Monica is trying to get people to take it down. They won't. So she has to go the legal route. So after a year of legal fights and $100,000 in legal fees, Monica got those subpoenas and found out about Molly Rosenblum. And then she also found out who Ryan Baxter was, who was sharing the information on Facebook. So the person going by Ryan Baxter on Facebook was actually a woman named Hannah Lupian in California. And so she filed a legal complaint legal complaint against Hannah Lupian and the Facebook page of Ryan Baxter and that Facebook page was deleted. And they never heard anything else from Hannah. Good. I guess she never answered for anything that she'd done. She just deleted her fake man's Facebook page and then never responded to any of the legal complaints against her. But she never did anything bad enough for them to like arrest her or anything. So it's she a just shitty but yeah. How many lives did she just ruin though? You know, like no kidding before they put the kibosh on her. Yeah. Like ugh so Ryan Baxter slash Hannah Lupin is out of the picture. Um but molly rosenblum's not so molly is confronted about what she'd done she's been contacted by monica's attorneys and she emails monica's attorneys and says i'm sorry that i lied about her but if monica continues to pursue legal actions i'm gonna reveal to the world what she did to me in the beginning of all of this Oh, okay. And Monica's like, I didn't do anything to this person. I'm going to continue pursuing legal battles because (laughs) I want this taken off the internet. So six months later, this whole process is still going on. Monica hasn't dropped the legal complaint against Molly. And in September of 2017, Molly goes to the original Facebook post from she's a com or whatever. And comments under that post saying that she admits she did lie about Monica being a homewrecker, but only because of Monica's veiled anti-Semitism. And she wrote in this, While Mrs. Glennon is not an adulterous woman, to my knowledge, she is guilty, in my opinion, of Facebook trolling the wrong person. Oh, okay. So now she's not only spreading, like, this woman's picture around saying that she's a homewrecker in very detailed sexual situations. She's also like publicly calling her an anti-Semite and saying that she trolled her. Which is like, you guys got in like a minor Facebook news article argument in the comment section. She didn't troll you, but okay. So Monica sees this now and she's like I'm not a Nazi sympathizer. I grew up in a poor family in communist Poland. Like, I'm the opposite of anyone who agrees with Nazis. I just think this poor little 14-year-old girl didn't deserve to be ganged up on by the internet. So Monica reaches out directly to Molly. She's like, hey, I don't know why you hate me so much, but let's meet up. You can ask me anything you want to ask me about who I am as a person. We can talk this out. And Molly actually agreed to meet up with her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they met up at this restaurant in Athens, Alabama, which is where Molly lived. And it was about an hour away from where Monica lived. And they talked for four hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, and during this conversation, they just got to know each other. She saw that, like, Monica wasn't this just, like, crazy Nazi blonde lady <laughs> on the other side of the screen. And that she was, like, just this... Lady from Poland trying to live her life. And uh, after that, she went back on Facebook and she commented again on the original post and was like, Hey, I'm so sorry that I did this. Monica didn't deserve it. She's actually a really nice person. She's not a homewrecker. She's not a Nazi. My bad. Oh, and the thing about sites like she's a homewrecker.com and Bad, bad Biz Reports is that the person who originally posts the story, can't remove it. Like no one can remove something once it's been posted to these sites. Yeah. Except the website and they like refuse to do that for the most. like, "Oh, this is getting us hits." Yeah, and they're like, "Well, you deserve to be on here. Like you were on here for a reason, blah blah, blah or whatever." So, um these continued legal battles for Monica, she's a homewrecker.com did take down the original report. Um, that said she's a homewrecker and that she slept with some guy on the floor in detail, whatever. But Bad Biz Reports, the other site that went pretty viral, refuses to take it down. Um, Thankfully, the judge in the case that she's trying to get this all taken down with ordered search engines um, like Google to de-index the post. Um, so when you search her name, it doesn't come up in the Google search results. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, so it's no longer on she's a com, but apparently it is on badbizreports.whatever. And they're not a U.S. site, so the U.S. really doesn't have any control over what they post or what they remove. Um, so it's just not happening. And um, she's kind of just fucked there. But that's the story about how... A- complete stranger tried to ruin someone's life that's crazy yeah so the moral of my story is like uh make all your facebook information private don't let anybody see your friends list don't let anybody see your pictures private private that shit
1: yeah no kidding because people are freaking weird and crazy
0: that was literally a nothing fight like really like Yeah, she's a stupid kid. Let's not all be mean to her. No, she shouldn't have done it. You're the devil posting your information online to dox you. Like, right. What? And then it doesn't come out for a year later when they both completely forgot about it. Like, that's insane. That's super crazy. Yeah. So um, be careful what you post online. Yeah, no kidding, because your life can be ruined. Yeah. Like, thankfully, her husband knew it wasn't true, but how embarrassing to talk to your coworkers. Right. About that, like, yeah, no, I'm a professional. Sorry. This is embarrassing. Ignore that. It's not true. Yeah. That's so embarrassing. That's awkward. Yeah. So that's my Alabama story. Next time we're in Alabama, I'm gonna tell the story of a lottery winner.
1: Ooh. I wish I win the lottery. Me too. That would be ideal.
0: I don't have a good joke, so I'm trying to find one.
1: Are you still going to tell your other story?
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, So I found this other story when I was looking for stories from Alabama. And it's really short, but it was funny, so I wanted to share it. So in June of 2019, the Limestone County Sheriff's Office received a tip that Mickey Polk was keeping a wild animal in his apartment. They They were told that he had an attack squirrel. And uh. <laughs> an attack squirrel. And he regularly fed the squirrel meth to keep it mean. What? So police executed a search warrant on Mickey's apartment. And not only did they find his quote unquote attack squirrel lovingly named Deez Nuts. <laughs> they also found meth drug paraphernalia, ammunition, and body armor. Oh my gosh. He was not home at the time, so he did not get arrested. Officers released the squirrel into the wild. Um, but later, Mickey took to Facebook to let people know that he, when he returned home, he whistled for Deez Nuts, <laughs> and, and Deez Nuts came running back to him. Oh my gosh. He was later arrested for a felony warrant unrelated to the squirrel. But was facing charges, including possession of a wild animal on top of his other (laughs) charges. (laughs) (laughs) Deez nuts. That's great. Yeah. So you can't keep a wild squirrel in your apartment. I bet you can't have raccoons either or venomous snakes. Probably not. Tying it all together there.
1: Yeah. Nope. We don't want any of those. Yeah. No, thank you. That's hilarious. These Nuts.
0: these Nuts. <laughs> the name of his squirrel. And he was posting on Facebook about it. He was like posting Facebook videos about like how they haven't caught it. And he said these Nuts came back to him and but he boarded these Nuts until he figured out his legal situation.
1: <laughs> he boarded him? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah. Okay. Where does a penguin keep its money? I don't know where. In a snowbank. Uh, that's, that's not very funny. That's a pretty clean
0: joke for us. Yeah. Uh, how is sex like air? Uh, I don't know. It's not a big deal unless you're not getting any. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so I Googled stenographers and they don't make very good money, apparently. Um, it can be six months to a year of training, depending on how quick you pick up the crazy typing. But you don't make great money, so maybe I won't pursue that. Huh.
1: Yeah. 45
0: to 72. And there were varying things, because one of them said it was like a high of 55 grand a year. But another one said you could make up to 200,000 a year. But yeah, that didn't seem to be the consensus. you could make up to 240. I don't think that's very common yeah probably most of them were like 40 grand a year and maybe i'd be really good at it so i could get a great job doing it probably all right <laughs> probably. <laughs> okay. um next week we are in florida 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 florida. Ooh, florida is crazy so
1: that should be a good one yeah there should be lots of stuff to pick in
0: florida yeah. It also well, makes it really hard though. Yeah. So join us next week, and uh, it'll be like our New Year's Eve edition. Merry Christmas, everybody! Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. Let us know what you think. We love you guys. If you want to know, Christmas. Or, Merry Christmas! If you want to know any more information, look at our show notes. We link to our sources. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.